Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. Sweethearts, what are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation a parade. I love the Corps. Where's Baskin? Let's rock! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by co-host... Patrick, hey man. Hey, so we are here to do a commentary track on Aliens, the special edition, and we have a guest commentary... Comment, what's the word? A guest commentator? Commentarian? Yes, commentator, yeah. Commentarian. Andy Geek Girl, thanks for coming on and uh, doing this with us. This was a little bit of a last-minute thing. As everyone knows, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we weren't really sure what our output for Alien Day was going to be, what kind of Alien Day was going to be, not just in light of the pandemic, but in light of Alien or Fox being Disney um, now, and things seem to be sort of all over the place. There's not much going on, but we wanted to make sure that we had um, enough content to deliver to everyone. So... We're going. I'm going to pass it off to Patrick. Andy, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, this is going to be really thank fun. You. This is just a, a low-key viewing of aliens, and uh, I'm sure uh, it'll be a whole lot of fun. So, Patrick. Yeah, happy Alien Day, everybody. This is. Um, I, I just. I, I couldn't ask for two better people to share this movie with tonight, and and we really hope that you know, uh, as you play this in your, you know, headphones while you're watching the movie, that you get the feeling that you're just watching it with a bunch of friends who are up late on a weeknight in the middle of a quarantine, hanging out and finding <laughs> common ground and things that we love watching this great movie that um, I, I, I really feel like the series we did on this last year was one of the, the most enjoyable things we've ever done. I haven't watched it. I don't, I don't think I've watched it all the way through since then. So this is the first time in a few months I'm watching it and uh, I'm super excited. The, uh, the rundown of how this is going to work for people who uh, might have missed our alien commentary from Alien Day two years ago. Um, or was that last year? Was that two years ago? I don't remember. I don't know. Whatever the hell we did the alien commentary. <laughs> I think it was the year before last. I think it was think two it was years ago. Yeah, yeah, but time doesn't mean anything anymore. I don't know. I don't even know how long a day is at this point. So anyway, oh. let's just start blank slate from the very beginning. This is how this is going to work, okay? In a couple of moments, uh, we're going to do a three, two, one, go, okay? What uh, we want you to do, and I'll kind of cue you when it's ready to do this, is pause playback on this podcast and cue up your digital file or your Blu-ray or whatever you have for Aliens, again, the special edition. Uh, and I want you to get to the part where the 20th century fanfare starts. So as soon as you hear the the, brum, bum, the snare drum come in, that's when you're going to start playback, okay? Um, depending on what it, on what you know platform you're, you're viewing it on, there might be some stuff before it, there might not be. Most of the digital files... Uh, 
just pick up right with that. So kind of cue it up to that. And again, if this is out of sync by a couple of seconds, it's not going to make a very big difference. But what I'm going to say is right now, go ahead and pause this podcast and uh, get your movie file ready. And we will see you momentarily. And go ahead and hit play when we say three, two, one, go. Okay, so we'll see you back in a moment. So here we go. Playback beginning in three, two, one, start. I'm so used to the Alien 3 opening. I, I wait for it to, to hold that last note. Because that's the movie I watch the most. A little bit of interesting trivia uh, on the 20th Century Fox fanfare there is it was uh, written by a relative of Randy Newman and Thomas Newman, Alfred Newman, the patriarch of this uh, family that's won just an astounding amount of uh, Academy Awards through the years. By the way, everyone, this is the special edition. I don't know if Patrick made that clear we can record we'll make sure we make that clear this is so 80s this opening it i love like it a little bit of max headroom or <laughs> i love it too i remember watching this for the first time with my dad it's just the letters like i love the the drum beat you get at the beginning like the whole militaristic feel like right away and then of course the signature blue i just i love it yeah james cameron he loves blue for whatever reason a uh, a little known bit of trivia also is uh james horner is uh jamie's favorite film composer <laughs> <laughs> may he rest in peace i won't slander him right now <laughs> Oh, I love how slow this starts. It's so it's so luxurious, just like throwing us right into the elements like this from the very beginning and allowing us to just like luxuriate in the composition of the frame. I was waiting for that version of the word to luxuriate. Is that a real word? <laughs> Verisimilitude. <laughs> <laughs> I had heard that there was no photos of this set aside from what they filmed so Cameron had to go frame by frame to recreate this narcissist I don't know if that's true for the first film right yes yeah they well for aliens I think that they they had yeah. deconstructed the set and they hadn't had they haven't they had photos of a lot of it but I think they were missing some of it so uh yeah they had to reconstitute it for this which is amazing because it looks completely seamless yeah I, I love just the, the, like you said, the slowness of this and just inviting us in. And then here we have the light. I love the sound, that, that locking sound. I love it. Yeah. They recreate that in that horrible movie called Alien Resurrection. And I am... <laughs> <laughs> and I am ashamed to admit that only recently did I learn that you can still see the the like harpoon or the gun like in the door <gasps> really yes i did it? not it's notice the... that no it's on the yeah. floor there it is 
Yeah, it was stuck in the door. He Holy recreated shit. that as well. Which I think is amazing. Andy, this is why we wanted you on this episode. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I've seen this movie 4,000 times and I literally never noticed that before. There's something I've, I've always loved how xenomorphic this scanner looks. I, I, I remember as a yes. kid, I was I always thought this was like some kind of an like like I mean probably the first four times I saw it because I was eight, I really thought this was like an alien creature somehow. And then it's like you know it, because especially with this laser field thing that looks so much like the in the first film that you know the egg chamber like there's yes. all these really great and then with this elongated head kind of shape, it really feels like a, like an alien. And then of course you find out it's not. But if you're an eight year old watching this alone, you know. You might never figure that out until you're a teenager. I think that's fast. I never thought of it that way, though. Yeah, me neither. Now I'm going to just see that every time. Well, and now I'll see a harpoon gun. So, you know, we're all we're all winning tonight. Well, it reminds me of a dolly that they use in shooting movies. That's what it right. looks like. They moved in a dolly that has been reconfigured to look like a scanner. I think it probably also is. Also, the tiles, I think the it tiles is. above them looks like uh, Decker's apartment. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Are you a Blade yeah. Runner fan, Andy? Um, I I've rewatched it a couple times since listening to your podcast. Okay. So, um, I definitely have a greater appreciation for it. I'd seen it once, like a time yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shot. I know it's kind of cheesy, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought about how much the uh, the tiling in there looks like the the Ennis House tiles that you know were kind of from a design standpoint repurposed for uh, for Blade Runner. What a what a freaking shot 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 that was that matte painting. Oh my god. I love how you see the Whalen Yutani insignia on like everything. <laughs> I've just noticed. And look, I love the collar on his jacket. Oh, yeah. Sort of that 80s new so way. So 80s, yes. Yeah. Which is interesting with Alien 3, their costumes are really. Timeless. You can't tell an era. It doesn't have a '90s feel to me, but whereas Aliens has an '80s feel. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I think Aliens has aged incredibly well, but there's definitely the '80s. It's stuck in the '80s. Oh yeah. The hair, the clothes. I just remember seeing this and I knew him from my two dads. I don't know if you ever saw that show. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I remember I like, all the controversy. We're yeah. aging ourselves right now, but we are, we are. <laughs> I was going to say, I do not know that one. What? Is that a TV show? Well, it was a show. I can't, was it Mia Sarah who played the little girl? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know her name, but it was basically, to, like, wasn't it the premise was they didn't know which one was the father? Something maybe, like that? Maybe. Or I thought couple? maybe. No, 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 no. But there was a lot of controversy because that was the implication. Mm. Um, so, of course, back in the day. Juicy. Yeah. Like, well, what is this show? 
I think the mother had died and they didn't know which one that was the father or something like that. Or they div- I thought one of them moved in with the other. I don't remember either, but I yeah. do remember when the show was on for sure. <laughs> oh, speaking of, there's oh. a new Punky Brewster coming on. Have you seen the trailer? There is? Crazy. Yes. A movie? No, it's a, it's a series oh. with, what's her name? Salil Moon Fry. Is that what her name was? Yeah. Yep. Uh, this used to give me serious nightmares as a child. And this is still, uh, to this day, like, I think one of the most frightening scenes in the whole thing, because it's so surreal. Like the, the way that even though, it, you know, it clearly is a, is a nightmare sequence, it feels like the sort of nightmare that really happens to people where right. it, something's kind of off about it, right? Like the fact that the, the chest burster never actually comes out, that it sort of elongates her skin to this breaking point which is very mm-hmm. different from the way it emerges in the first film and in subsequent ones, right? Usually it emerges for one thing higher up in the rib cage and it explodes, right? Mm-hmm. The, the way that it pushes through almost this sort of like interior phallus coming out is very, very strange and very dreamlike mm-hmm. to me. And I think it's uh, it's interesting because like the first time you see it, it cues you into the unreality, of, the unreality of it, you know, before you know that it's just a dream. now, of course, we have our first cue that this is the special edition. So, people, if you don't see a forest background right now, you are watching the wrong edition of this movie, and you need to go through <laughs> this whole shit again from the beginning. But if you do see a forest background, you're about to see a scene that uh, I think I, I really love that it was cut from the theatrical version, because I think it adds absolutely nothing to the story of meaning, and I think it actually screws up the pacing of it. But it's it's a little interesting gateway into the character of Ellen Ripley, and uh, and it's something that the special edition brought people for the first time, which I think was on Laserdisc. Is that right? I think the special edition came out for the Laserdisc edition. I love this interrogation scene. Me too. Finally giving a face to Wayland Jutani. Or at least part of him. Burke is always so shifty. He's always like looking at it he's never 
He's always just like looking at his hands, looking somewhere else. Well, what's funny is like the first time you see it, he does look uncomfortable. And and I think the first time you watch this, you see him as just being kind of out of his element. Like maybe he's actually a kind of a good guy in this corporate setting and he feels kind of uncomfortable or something like that. Yeah, like he doesn't quite know what to do. You know what's weird? I want I want to know why they decided on fifty seven years later. Why not three years later? I I yeah, fifty seven years. I mean, maybe to I don't know distance itself enough where they can make big ch- where no one would really have known her. I think to like completely isolate her, maybe. Yeah. So she's completely. Well, I, alone. I think it was mostly for her. I mean, it was for her story, too, I think, because she's, like, she's so far cut off from having any, any realistic life back home again. Like, it's just, you know, it's right. it's all gone. So she's totally kind of cut off from, from what she knew, you know? Right, because otherwise it wouldn't make sense that she would go back yeah. if there was something to stay for. I just love this, her realization that they're gaslighting her. This is like the ultimate gaslighting scene. Yeah. And the whistleblower with no one believing her. Or they believe her, but. (laughs) God damn it, that's not all. I find myself in my head quoting this scene so so yes, much. Yes, yeah, especially lately. <laughs> oh, me too. I know. Sometimes I just say it out loud too. It's almost like we're experiencing <laughs> that a little bit, where we're saying like, "Hey, it's not safe. It's not safe," and people are like, "Yeah, well, here we go." Yeah. And I'm a I'm a uh, high school teacher, so. Every September when I go back, I'm always like, did IQs just drop sharply while I was <laughs> A teenager that just inside living <laughs> just eats. Just the frustration on her face. I love how she's dressed uh, just in the sense of she's like in very uh, industrial clothing. It doesn't draw attention to itself. It really further builds her character that this is who she is. She's not anything fancy. She's not, she's not worried about how she looks. I love it. Right. Like she's not putting on airs. She's saying, saying it like it is. It's a great moment. Yeah. She just whispers to herself. So what do you guys think of this whole sequence? Patrick, do you want to go first? 
Yeah, I, I think it's entirely unnecessary, but and and I, <laughs> I think it was pretty clearly not shot like with sort of the A team in place. But I do think that um, for somebody who like doesn't see this the first time, for somebody who you know grows up watching the theatrical release, then getting to watch this, you know, as a as a teenager or as an adult, I think is awesome because it's like you know, the ultimate bonus content, right? It's got really great miniatures. It's got this, you know, kind of fleshes out the backstory. It makes it feel like the world of the movie is, uh, you know, has expanded past what it was the first time you saw it. But I, I think a really big benefit to all of the, the the good Alien films, and Aliens being, of course, you know, one of the best, is that there are a lot of things where you have to kind of use, use your imagination to fill in. And I think seeing... Seeing the colony like this, like seeing it buzzing and seeing everybody going around doing their their bureaucratic jobs and things, it's just sort of like, I kind of would rather that live in my imagination personally. But I, I don't know. What what about you guys? Um, I'm with you. I feel I, I I feel the same way. I'm glad. I although I did, I did the first time I saw this was the television version. Um, but yeah. I actually didn't see the beginning. Like I, we, we were at my grandmother's and we caught it. Like, I don't remember at what point. So I don't think I saw this the first time anyway. Um, but I totally agree with you because if this were the first time I was seeing this, it, it, it takes away from the whole creepiness and the mystery of when the Marines land and they're investigating. Um, so I agree. Like as bonus material, it's fun. Um, the acting is definitely. <laughs> I don't think it's. Uh, you know, it's definitely a little subpar. There's a cheesiness to this that oh, yeah. I think um, I could do without. But it is fun to see. You know, it's fun to see Newt's family and just just how it was. You know, what the colony was like beforehand. Um, but otherwise, if this were my first experience, totally unnecessary. Yeah, I would agree with both of you. I think it's it feels like an Aliens TV show in 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like um, second unit director, um, subpar actors, not being not being directed as well as James, Cam- James Cameron directs people. Although I don't know if James Cameron directed these scenes. He could have. Um, but I know that there were. Uh, two or three. No, it was the second unit, I think. It was the second yeah, unit. Yeah, I don't think he did. Um, and you can really, really tell. This just sits, it sticks out like a sore thumb, unfortunately. And it doesn't really add anything to the story. Uh, this actor did pass away recently, rest in peace, yes. of, of the coronavirus, unfortunately. Yeah, Jay Benedict. I do like how they recreated um, the planet. I think it looks great. Um, the ship looks pretty good. A lot of this does look like miniatures close up with like a little camera as opposed to the work that they did on aliens or alien. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun, but I prefer the theatrical cut. When you mentioned think... the TV, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, when you mentioned the made for TV movie, like I totally thought of, have you guys ever seen the horrible like Ewok adventure? That's what I was thinking of too. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what it looks like. The Return act, to Endor even the or actors. something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, showing my age. <laughs> Have you seen those movies, Patrick? There's two of them. Uh, I, I saw one of them, yeah. My kids couldn't even watch it. They're like, Mommy, ago. this is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird watching this now, knowing that Jay Benedict um, you know, just died of, of COVID-19. That's kind of yeah. a little bit haunting. 
Um, I, I guess to me, a, a big sticking point with this, a, I, I do want to say that seeing the wildcatters culture is, is really cool. And again, kind of adds to the world building, which I think is really neat. But the big problem for me is that it takes away one of the great, uh, decisions of, of the theatrical release, which is that we don't see anything that Newt went through. We only can imagine it, right? Cause she can't even talk about it. I mean, she can barely let us in, you know, get any insights into what that was like for her, that struggle while she was alone in this, you know, nightmare asylum. But, um, but, but in, in getting to see more of this world and getting to see more of what she lost and getting to see things kind of fall apart a little bit early on. Um, it just, it just kind of robs us of that, of, of using our own, imagination to to build that in our own heads so like you know again like it's sort of a cliche at this point because we've talked about it so much but i feel like the great benefit in alien films is is you know the the horror of what you can't see and the more you see usually the less horrifying it actually becomes i think agreed and then when she pops up later you know for the first time or in this case the second time it's less of a you know it's less of a mystery or it's less shocking that there's this little girl alone um you know we we would recall oh yeah okay she's alive she made it as opposed to ah oh, you know what's what's this little girl's story so exactly I'm, I'm definitely glad they cut it but then going right here like this is clearly james cameron again like this is this oh, yeah. this i love uh, yeah. that beautiful depth of field in that shot going down to the cigarette, almost like a macro shot of it burning. That's the fact that the favorites. ashes haven't fallen down yet. She hasn't moved at all. Like this incredible poetic static moment. I, that That's just incredible filmmaking. Yeah. This is I, like a, a fam- looks like a painting. It looks like a, a Renaissance era painting. That image yes. of the chair. He I walks just in love the that. Of that's the name of the movie. Okay. <laughs> I just love the, the cigarette just conveys so much. Mm hmm. You know, like just the time that she's just been sitting there. And I love that she closes the door in his face. <laughs> look, at, look at Gorman's profile. That's a handsome man. I've always been fascinated by this apartment. Like, I remember just like pausing it and looking at the details. Like, how big is, like, how little is this place? And yeah. just again, no frills, you know, that's part of the character, but it's, it's just Ripley and, you know, it just conveys so much. When I was it's a kid, a I used to, uh, I used to pretend that my shower was this apartment sometimes. And I would like, <laughs> I would like have all my stuff laid out. I know where the mirror was. And, th- and so I, I just like have these, these like really distinct memories of like being in the shower, walking around, pretending that I was on like this, this, you know, space station in her apartment. It's it's an amazing set. It really is, and it's so tight and contained. It reminds me a lot of like you know Japanese um, apartments from like the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. where it's just everything is in the right place. Everything's very like particular, but there's very little wasted space in it. And that that is exactly what you would engineer for you know a, a hovering station like like uh, oh my god a gateway station like this. It's it's you know it's just sort of sitting up there forever, and it has to be very economically you know spaced. I love that little moment just before when. He put his coffee down, Burke, and then he was like playing with this towel, and Ripley takes it and just yeah <laughs> tosses it down. Like he's always like you know now that you know his character, like he's just he can't just sit. Like he's always shifty and nervous. Yes, yes. Even these like little like they planted these little moments where he seems like a good guy, but he's just 
he's lying from the get-go and is not uncomfortable about it, but doesn't quite pull it off. But right here, when he's giving her this sort of like this bullshit, you know, about get, getting back on the horse, like that that to me is the first real, like, that's Burke. Like you, you see him right yeah. there trying to just sort of manipulate her through this like self-help language that just, <laughs> it's just like something you read <laughs> yes. in a book once and assumes will work on people, but it just doesn't, you know? And then he'll throw like a kiddo in there. Yeah. <laughs> what I love though, is that when he's trying to be smarmy and, who he is in her place. And it's obviously you can see in her face. It feels like an invasion of her privacy. She pushes right up against it in subtle ways. Like, no, this isn't, this isn't your towel. This isn't your place. (laughs) And he respects it. He sort of backs off. Yep. I think it's interesting foreshadowing here where she looks a lot like she did in alien three, even with the, the, um, the shirt she's wearing. Yeah, I never thought of that, but you're right. What do you think that is on the nightstand right behind her? That little, like, curio. That little... It's a light. It's a set dressing. Is it a lamp? Yeah. The lamp's coming up through the center. It looks like an airplane bathroom. Yes. (laughs) That's what this... Yes. This whole apartment reminds me of an airplane Yes. Almost like it was factory molded, um, where they just mold these things and they factories are making these space stations or whatever so this little phone machine i thought was like the most amazing thing yes <laughs> but my question is are can you not call somebody unless they give you their card because she in she inserts that card he gave her like i always wondered that yeah, I think it's just like his contact information. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like a security device, but I always assumed it was sort of like sharing a contact, like a business card. A business, okay. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I could be wrong. Because as soon as she takes it out, like it hangs yeah, I up. Think it's, I think it calls right. it. And maybe that's the only way to do it. I mean, there's no keypad or anything, right? No. Oh, there it is. What a terrific, terrific design Ron Cobb did for this film. In keeping with the aesthetics of the Nostromo, but sort of flipping it on its head a little bit. So it feels like the same universe, even though it's a different design. I like this long, longer extended shot. It's like military porn, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. It really is. And and this, this was the Ron Cobb part. The exterior, I actually, for some reason, glossed over this, was Sid Mead. So it's it's, it's a, this rare um, opportunity to see the, two of the great minds in uh, conceptual art in Hollywood collaborating on something. The interior, I think, is just as extraordinary as the exterior. Oh, but the exterior is so artistic and so amazing and so you know, bellicose. It's just great. Again, the knickknacks. Yeah. I love the little nods to alien there. And they do it. It's a nod without, Oh, let's put the same bird here or a similar bird like the other movies do. Like, okay, we get it. It's alien. Right. 
You see that you see the indentations on the locker yes. doors. Yes, I love, it. love that. This, of course, is accomplished with mirrors. So that's how they were able to make the set look so enormous. But it really, you would never know that if you didn't, you know, no, hadn't read about it. It looks perfect. It's so well done. And then for some reason, they left out Hudson's name on that. There's always the. You can see the mirror a little bit. Jamie's liking that Gorman shot. <laughs> My wife and I always joke that like we are so jealous of people waking up from hypersleep because like I feel like and Andy, you'll know what I mean by this. And Jamie, maybe with your nephews too, like being a parent or a caretaker, you get no rest. Like even even when you get sleep, it's it's like not really sleep because somebody's gonna wake up before you. Somebody's going to get up in the middle of the night. Something's going to go wrong. So, like, there's, like, no sleeping in. And when people get out of hypersleep, it's like they just look so rested. They it do. is absurd. <laughs> they do. I'm with you. No, I don't. once you have kids, your sleep, as you know, it is no longer the same. It just never happens again. No. I, I love this. Took me a really long time, also the whole look me the look into my eye that he was giving the middle finger. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, is that look what's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> I guess when you see it as a kid, you're like, you miss a lot. I just love that all these women are present, and of course, it's you know, mixed gendered, and there's no discussion about it. It's just equality. I, it's it's one of my that's one of the reasons why this is my favorite film because it again when I was a kid like that stood out so much to me. Mm -hmm. um, I love this. Uh, I love this line, um, and I just and again at, like watching it with my brothers, we all loved Ripley. We, Ripley, we all loved Vasquez. There was no thought. About, oh, I like yeah. her for a girl. Which is interesting, then you have this comment. I just, I, I, I don't know. I find it a little off-putting that, you know, the Sarge is the one that says it. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. Like, I could see any of the other ones saying it, but... I don't know. I mean, it's fine. It's it sets you know. It definitely sets them up as that whole culture. All right. So, have you guys ever tried to do this? Yes. Nice oh my trick. god, this is like a staple in our household. There's Same. A of a little boy <laughs> doing it, and he's cutting himself while he's doing it. I'm like, okay, oh my kids, god. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's this the scene has kind of become lore. So there's a lot of kind of trivia about it. But one of the one of the pieces of trivia is that in the script, this is just for um, 
uh, for Lance Henriksen to do to him to on, on Bishop like with nobody else there, and then and then he, it was Lance Henriksen who suggested to have uh, Hudson involved, and Bill Paxton wasn't like alerted to it until the day of the shoot, and they actually ended up moving his pinky and getting cut. So like there's a legitimate <laughs> moment in there <laughs> where he actually does get hurt, and they they kept it, which I kind of love. That's an amazing little sequence. But again, I love how it adds so much to the character development, but then it has a purpose where Bishop is bleeding and that alerts Ripley to the fact that he's, you know, a synthetic. So all those little things, I, I just love the economy of the storytelling of building the characters mm-hmm. and also moving the f- story forward. Totally, because in that interaction with the knife game, there's also tons of character building going on with how Hudson's reacting, with he's just freaking out, right? With Bishop's, you know, incredible sort of unperturbed ability, and yet he's very humble about it. And you look in the background, you can see all the different, you know, the different soldiers reacting in different ways to it. The Marines, you see, like, you know, like I always think of Vasquez, she's, she's sort of nodding in the background. Right. You just get a sense of like how these people deal with situations and and it's like this you know in this tiny tiny moment you get you learn a lot about these characters and then you're right andy like you come out of that with a really you know expositionally useful thing which is a visual cue that he's an android which of course harkens back to the first film and and introduces this whole entire new story arc that will be playing itself out until basically the end of the movie when he comes back to pick her up again which is that she doesn't know if she really trusts him and it's just this beautiful little piece of tension that just starts and it never quite resolves until the very end of the movie, and it toys with us the entire time. Is he believable? Is he trustworthy? Is he not? Um, is she crazy? Is she paranoid? Is she not? Right? It's just it's right. it's just beautiful. That plane or the dropship is a matte painting. This shot isn't, but the wide shot was. Huh. I don't think I knew that. And see that moment right there, like, is, is great because it accomplishes two things, right? One thing is that it just shows how Gorman doesn't know what he's doing and he's kind of out of his element. But then, of course, it also gives the audience a chance to get used to the names of the characters early on mm-hmm. so that we're remembering who they are because, like, their names are very important as it goes on. There's a lot of people dressed very similarly in this movie. And getting to know who we're dealing with from the very beginning is a really useful tool from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah, because like Hicks doesn't even talk for the first whatever. So when Hudson is saying that, it, he's basically telling us, "You're right." Mm-hmm. Like, right. hey, he's I'm over here. I'm Hudson. <laughs> exactly. I love that. And all their reactions to her are so yeah. telling here too. Yeah. Almost like. Vasquez can't hear it. It's like it's disturbing her, so she shuts her up. Yep. And Drake is just like looking at Vaz, waiting. Like he basically takes his cues from her. He the whole movie, totally. Yeah. 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 I love the like, trust that they have. And I love that it's a friendship. There's some people who've like tried to say, oh, maybe they're dating. No. They're, no. They're, they're bros. That's it. I'm with you on that. I love how seriously they're looking at her too. Like they're, they're like scared. 
Well, because she's able to bring numbers into it, you know, so like it actually it becomes real for them, I think. (laughs) 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 Fucking love that line so much. Me too. (sighs) You just can't help but laugh at him. And of course, he improvised like half of his lines in this movie. And totally, totally, you can tell as you watch it, it's just so off the cuff and funny and southern and spontaneous and strange. It's like, it's a, it's, he's just brings so much to this film. He's such a missed presence, I think, you know, in, I know. in general. You know what I love about Gorman's character and William Hope? Is that right? Yeah, William Hope, who played Gorman, yes. is that he played him, he was incompetent, but he didn't play him as a coward. He just played him as, as panicky. And sometimes people will pay, play or they're directed to play incompetent characters as cowards. He wasn't a coward. He just was out of his element. And that's a fine line. And again, James Cameron knew what he was doing and directed him to play it against type. Yeah, I think pretty much every character in here has something about them that's against type, Yeah, which I love. I want one of those things. I know. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid. Like, a Spunkmeyer? Oh, yeah, they use those in that Sweden. is Spunkmeyer, right? Yeah. yeah. It's still just crazy that, like, what's happening in this scene, but it looks like he's driving that machine. It, it really does. does. Just the sound, yeah. too. The sound gives it such weight. Yeah. And again, setting it up for the payoff later. Everything makes sense. And how tactile it is, that sound of yes. the clips going in. or Oh, there they are, the fucking stoppers. Oh my What's God. interesting about this scene, though, what I love is, yes, it's foreshadowing, but it's also telling us this woman knows her shit. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. You don't have to tell her anything. She's competent. And she's, if you look at her hands, there's grease on. Do you notice that on her thumb? Yes, there's a little bit of grease I on it. I love that. that. Yeah. Which is realistic for the. I just love how the realism of everything. Love it. I really want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's the one time, not one time, but I just where she's sexy. You know, like she's just got this glimmer about her. Like, I don't know. She's got this glimmer. of. There is there is like a little look she had, like a little gleam in her eye. Like, I know you guys like what you're seeing right now. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, I I see it. Sigourney's so good at that, though. Like those little looks. Mm -hmm. I love this. And of course, those smart guns are using film equipment, right? Like a gimbal from a Steadicam. Yeah. Uh, which I, I I love how like they were. It, so there probably was a dolly before Jamie, you know, with that that um, robot that came in to scan the room. Like the, I think there some of this is just. I think that was. Equipment on the lot. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I, I oh, remember reading that it was. I love the APC.
I love how Hicks had like porn on his locker, but it was like artful, <laughs> artful porn. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think again suits his character. I love the shot, how it just follows them. I love the... There's something about Al Matthews' delivery is... There's something about it, A, that's believable because of his background in the Marines, obviously... But um, which which for people who don't know um, Matthews in his military career, get get to know it because he was an absolute trailblazer. But um, but beyond that, uh, just the sing song nature of his delivery, I think there's something about the so that's I mean, it's realistic because what he's doing is he's rallying the troops and he's making sure they're remembering things and he's kind of like making sure people know exactly what's going on. And one way you do that, like any good teacher knows, right, is you use your inflection and you use your voice to make things punch and to make it memorable and to make it confident and he just does such a great job of that by like you, you like he was he is the voice you would listen to in conflict like he would listen for that voice that mm. that you just trust and you hear and you know what it sounds like and it's comforting and i think that is part of why everybody quotes his lines like all the time mm-hmm. a because they're just great lines but b i think because his delivery of them is so memorable and it's so uh iconic you know and and there's i mean al matthews another person who we just lost recently like a, a absolutely enormous film presence who um, uh, we're so lucky happened to be in a movie that was in our fandom because he totally defined that role, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Ripley looking a little bit like she's blushing. That's a hard thing to pr- probably for her to do. Well, his, le- his, his look was a little long. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, he lingered there. Love this. You know what I never understood about this scene, though? Gravity? Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) but why is the gravity pulling the dropship down, but not the the Sulaco? Well, I I think they're probably just out of the low orbit that would do that. I I think the Sulaco is docked above that zone, and then then by ejecting it forcefully downward, there's enough gravity to pick it up and then pull it into its atmosphere. And it's also smaller, so it would be influenced more quickly by it. I I just feel like the Cheyenne dropship design is another one of these things that's just from a production design standpoint, just instantly memorable, instantly iconic, and instantly feels like just like the spinner. And it instantly feels totally like, in, in part with the rest of the sort of Vietnam stuff, it looks like a Black Hawk helicopter or something, but like a Black Hawk helicopter that you would believably find in outer space in the distant future. It looks like he's about to throw up. <laughs> I love the shakiness here, but it's not, it's done in such a way where you don't feel, you know, sometimes in like modern films, like there's so much going on, there's so much and you can't see. I, I think it's done perfectly where you feel like you're in the dropship with them. Yes. Where in modern films, it feels like, oh, you're shaking it to help us feel real. You know, where it doesn't feel right. real. Right. 
you know, we were talking before about Ron Cobb and Sid Mead. Uh, interestingly, this dropship is one of the few cases where they didn't actually use either of their concepts. And uh, James Cameron molded his own model of what he wanted, and they basically made that into the production design. James yeah. Cameron, again, though, like he's such a, a standout among directors because he has like the the chops of of you know a Stan Winston basically level. Um, you know, it's it's pretty extraordinary the skill set that he brings to these movies. But if you look at Ron Cobb's design for a dropship, it's very similar. So Cameron might have adapted it a little bit, but they're very, very close to what Ron, Ron Cobb designed. Okay, another another special edition thing where I'm like, why do they, what's the point of the shit? I'm like, move on with it, you know? I know, it's a little, it's definitely a little much. It's a little much, but I do like that, you know, you have this 180 degree turn for for Hudson where he's like, we're going to protect you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then he's screaming like a little girl later on, you know, or like a little the girl. editing though is off. Cause if you just noticed Hicks was sleeping and then yeah, he's awake, yeah. right. When he's talking. Um, yeah. There's some continuity stuff. Yeah. There's continuity, but, and I like the little nod to the Terminator gun, the phase plasma rifle. This is one of the rare shots that doesn't work. I think yeah, the this compositing is great with the green with yeah. the green screen. Yeah. I but always that thought Pharaoh was so cool, well. and that's oh, great. Just, oh yeah. I just like that the the atmosphere processor has the feel of a derelict. Yeah. Definitely. The, and even like the, the camera angles that they're showing, like a, a, approaching it, mm-hmm. has that same feel. Also reminds me a little bit of um, the Tyrell Corporation with the little oh, yeah, totally. things on the side. Although I would never want James Cameron to make a Blade Runner film. He wouldn't know what to do. All this, all these shots are so well done. Yeah. That is one of my favorite shots in the whole movie, right there. That, yeah. With the dropship taking back off, yeah, yeah. I just love that shot. It's just so great. Oh, the filmmaking is just so good in this movie. It's just astounding. This just flows so seamlessly. This this whole sequence here, where there's so much going on, and it never feels like it, and it, and it never feels like overly choreographed. Even though to get all these moving parts to work believably, and to switch between different types of technology with like miniatures, compositing, green screen, matte painting, and, and it never fe- interior exterior. What was that? And then you have the rain that just right marries it all together seamlessly. Right. And it would be so easy to just make this part overwrought. And it just feels like completely not, it feels like we're in there with them. Like this handheld shot right here where they're running up together. And then I remember in our, in our alien series, I was talking about how I love this moment with Hudson um, doing the bypass because 
you see that like there's a reason he's in the squad, even though he's a smart ass and even though he mm-hmm. panics and everything, he's a he's a, a real whiz when it comes to overriding electronic systems, you know? Like and this is he's not a useless character. He's not just comedic relief. He's a vital part of this squad who has demons to work through, but he's he's there for a reason. Whereas I think, you know, if this movie were made today, he would you would never see him doing anything except complaining, I feel. Because they would oh. just they would cut that out. I loved this whole sequence. I remember seeing it for the first time and just dread of like what's going to pop out. The and the fact that nothing ever does in this whole sequence, except for what the hamster or whatever. <laughs> um, but I love just this the build up of tension here and the quiet. Another shot, iconic. Look at that. Look at how low the camera yes. is. Yeah. And it's handheld. It's not It's not on the rails or anything. It's not a dolly shot. It's a handheld camera on the floor. So it's still moving like it's walking, even though it's so low down. Which I never noticed until just now that I'm looking at it like this. Like, this is all handheld. See that? They just have a handle on top of the camera, and they're carrying it above the ground. A lot of video gamers or video game people who put them together cite aliens as the model for first person shooter games hmm. i can see that definitely in that shot we just saw oh yeah and see this is why they were so careful with names in the beginning with repeating names because now now that we're seeing all the bio readers and the monitors and things like that we actually know who they're referring to and we can actually triangulate it in our heads when we see the footage of them we know who's doing what and where James Cameron is always so good at like setting up geography too of where you are in space where the characters are in relation to each other I always totally. know where everybody is at any moment. And that's really difficult with this because there's so many different locations or room, even just rooms. And you get a good sense of where everything is almost immediately. And I like how they're also serious realizing like yeah shit went down here james cameron really balanced the amount of dialogue with the amount of quiet where he's telling us and showing us but it's never happening both at the same time and that's very difficult to do usually you know today's audience with the wrong filmmakers it would just be talk 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 action 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 i mean some of the criticisms for, say, a film like The Age of Ultron is because of that very thing. There's too much talking, it was too much going on, and it didn't work. But this is just perfect. Yeah, I feel like a sequence like this would not be in a film today. It's like audiences would be, would be bored. Or not, definitely feel... not, not in a mainstream Hollywood movie. No. I, I, I agree with you. This part is extra, right? You notice the blood-stained hand on the door? Oh, no, I never did. Full handprint and blood, yeah. 
Who's who's feeding the hamster? <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking too. I also want to say that donut, for some reason, I have always found super appetizing. And I don't know what it is, but really? I know, I know. Ever since I was a kid, I always want a donut when I see that shot. It looks like like larva or something. Oh, it looks so good. Soggy donuts. Mm. Dip in tab. <laughs> donuts and tab. But see, even like the hamster sequence, another reason why I really do not like this edition of the movie the way I like the theatrical release is it just doesn't, it just adds nothing. If anything, it, it's a tension release before we need one, right? Like right. Cause, cause it gives us that little like mini jump scare moment. And then and it's totally unnecessary. There's no reason to do that. Like the way the theatrical cut builds is so perfect. It's like a symphony. It doesn't need these little, you know, side detours. I agree. I think it, it was the more like obvious choice. I'm glad they got rid of it too. It, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything. I love how they establish the distrust of Gorman like right away. So all the, the, those couple lines just set everything up so well. This scene is extra, but I like I like this little moment. I like that little pause there. Like this is the last, last moment before yeah. she knows shit's gonna go down. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why that was cut. I think it's just the, the timing more than anything, because I think it cuts right to here, right? Yeah. You can just see like, the PTSD just coming right back. Look at her. Look at that look on her face. I always wondered what that thing is hanging. It looks like a vine or something. <laughs> it's wiring or something, but. Yeah. Again, these, these places feel so lived in. It's just amazing. The, the amount of attention to detail with the set dressing, with how things are weathered, with how no surfaces are actually clean. You know, the scuffing on everything. I just, I just love that. It's, it's very immersive. 
And again and, with the quiet. I love it. Yeah. And the continuity between Alien and Aliens is fantastic. It feels like the same world, a little bit more advanced. I was horrified because <laughs> this this was the first I saw this before Alien, so that I just remember like haunted my haunted my nightmares. That's yeah, pretty freaky. And also, if you're watching the theatrical release, that's the first jump scare you get, right? So like, so there's a lot of tension right. leading to that reveal, and then the reveal is horrifying in and of itself. Just you know, because it's a face hugger, but that moment, that jolt, is like so much more impactful if you don't have it disrupted by other events coming before. little unnecessary but it works really well if you look in the background of Gorman's shoulder you see some light clamps for, for, for light rigs again it's repurposed film equipment I love the realization on their faces and just how she immediately shifted. Basically how they both just shift into not parental mode, but, um, you know, concern. Of course, foreshadowing the queen at the end of the movie, chasing her through the crates. And it's always Ripley, like, you know what? Like, screw it. I just, let me just do it. Like, she's always, everyone's always just, like, standing around, like, what do we do? And then she's just like, let me just do it. 
Carrie oh, Hayes is really great. She, I, I, I thought she was excellent in this. I know some people don't. Um, oh, I think she's amazing in this movie. I think so too. Especially considering this is her only film role. This is it. <laughs> like, I mean, she she absolutely nailed it. Sometimes my daughter grunts like this. My blondie, who looks like me. <laughs> like, she doesn't get her way. She's just, she'll like grunt. <laughs> I'm like, you're new. Why are you new right now? <laughs> I always thought the outfit she's wearing in that picture, though, looked like one of those, like, um, sister wives, you know, like the... Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, it looks like an LDS, like, thing. Yes. Like, what are they wearing on this colony? Corman is so bad at this shit. I love it. This is so bad. This is such a good scene. Just her stare. She's so good here. I love how she just talks to her like a human being. Yeah. She's not, you know, she's not overly, she's not condescending. Um, she doesn't like talk down to a kid level. It's just. Or does she talk to her in sort of stereotypical, like, oh, I'm talking to a little girl. It's no, I'm talking to a, a, another person, like you said. Right. Um, and just engaging her humanity as opposed to, oh, you're so pretty. Look at this pretty hair. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she does say in a pretty one, but it's very quick. Our cat is uh, currently knocking things off the shelf, and, the, and, I was, and her name is also Ripley. So I was having a really weird moment where I was like, "Ripley, Ripley," and I was like watching Ripley on the screen, and I'm like, "This is like an Inception." I love that moment where she says, "I'm Ripley," and you see Newt's eyes for the first time dart to her face and look. Mm. That's the first recognition. So good. Like those little, you know, like the biting of the lip. (laughs) 
I love that. She just shakes her head. They did a really good job with the interior, the internal parts of the face hugger. I mean, that looks like a real thing on that, on that tray. He's so creepy there. I love it. And, you know, initially he was, um, he was supposed to, he wanted to wear uh, like special contacts in that moment to look more, even more frightening. And then um, James Cameron saw like the screen test for that. And he was like, you know, you don't need anything. It's so creepy already. (laughs) But he did actually have, I think there were double pupil contacts. There's this thing about this scene where they find the ship or sorry, they find where the the colonists are and they're going to go in and there's a sense of foreboding. But that moment in this film is very synonymous with films that are made in the 80s. And I can't almost pinpoint what that is, but you experience it. Oh, this is a great shot. Only special edition. Um, But you only experience that moment that way in films of the 80s. And I wish I could explain that better. What do you mean? Well, what, do you, like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say, here they are. We got to go there. They realize there's this realization. Everyone. Okay. We found them. The danger. We found where the danger is. Now we got to head into it. And it's this, and the music swells and they're getting ready. And then it cuts to like the, the, the thing driving and, the music's continuing to swell and you see the wide shot and you see a lot of that happening in films of the eighties. This just moment of wonder and terror. That's the best way I can describe it. Do you think this one like set the stage for the others or is that, I don't know. I think, um, in my opinion, in the eighties, special effects were really, you know, they were, they were on fire. I mean, with, you know, probably it started off with 2001 in the, in the late 60s, but certainly with Star Wars in the late 70s and then Alien. There were so many films with special effects. Films were still this this experience of wonder, this this um, event that they're not they're not the same way they were. Um, and I, so I think it's more about the event quality of the of going into the theater and what that was like and seeing amazing practical effects than it was, you know, where today you can you can see anything. Nothing's right. anything can be done. So I really think it, it's synonymous to the 80s because film was still not new, but what they could do with it at that time was still new.
There's a lot of things that I want to say in response to that because I, I agree, but I like can't take my eyes off how amazing this scene is I right now. <laughs> I can't concentrate I on what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but I, I do I do know what you mean, and I, I really think a lot of that it just has to do with CG and with like the economy of making really impressive looking things now, where, where it, you're not forced to linger as much on anything because if you linger for too long, you know, like the the digital aspect of it becomes too clear or it's too expensive. Whereas in the '80s, like. A lot of those, sh- like that shot that you were just talking about, you know, that, that huge cutaway shot, the wide shot that is in the special edition where the, where it's the, the uh, APC is driving over that ramp. Like that's a matte painting with a composite in front of it, right? Yeah. Like that's something that uh, took a team of people a really long time to do and they wanted to get their money's worth by showing mm-hmm. it, you know, very clearly for that instant. And um, like all of these shots are like that. Like even, even these, you know, these tight shots in these corridors with this, you know, polystyrene webbing and stuff like that i mean it's they it's really built in that environment and they didn't have an infinite supply of it so they had to get economy out of showing it a lot and i think maybe there's something to the fact that like when you look at something for a long time it makes you feel like in in awe of it or you're able to appreciate the wonder of it and when you see like to me the the prototypical example of that filmmaking steven spielberg right or like you know in close encounters when you see the ship and it's just you're just reveling in this image of the ship coming down like that and that that was something that they had to construct practically using very difficult means, and they had to show it for a long time. And if you just show something for a long time, you appreciate the beauty of it, you know? Yeah. 100%. Because if you compare that to, you know, something like the Transformers, where it's, you don't even know what you're seeing, because if they linger too long, like with the transformation, it, you don't even, like there's nothing there to linger on. So they just have to make it as fast as possible so that you don't even know what's happened. Like you can, it just goes from one to the other and you don't have to look too hard at the details. So I agree with this, like these practical shots where you linger and you feel like you're in there with them. You can almost feel the texture of them. You know, even like the little droplets, like the little, the way the light hits the the surfaces, it, it, wonderfully shot and you're the, the cramped you know close space you feel like you're you're definitely in there with them and i always think like the the perfect the archetypal example of that is and not just in alien movies but just in general is specifically the space jockey sequence in the first film which is like the ultimate example of awe and wonder and terror because of lingering on one particular view of practical effects because that room was enormous and it was extraordinarily detailed but it only existed in three quarters right so like so they only had basically one angle that they could shoot it from and they had to get the most out of this enormous asset that they had so you really get to know it you know, from that one vantage point with a little bit of a cutaway to a second vantage point. But basically, like, you're seeing it from one spot and you kind of fall into it, you know, like it occupies so much of the frame. I love hearing, like, these subtle cues about what's going on. You see the sneakers. You see the hands poking out. Again, just really economical filmmaking. I still remember not knowing what I was seeing as a kid when I first saw the shot. Like, what are they? What are they doing up there? I didn't understand what was happening. And you can see the that that lack of understanding on their faces, which is yeah. great. So creepy. I, again, I love this blue color. 
throughout. This shot here reminded me of the sticky gremlins. I don't know why, but the way that the... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> just reminded me of gremlins somehow. Oh, 100%. I don't know what's wrong with me, but and this is something that Micah makes fun of me for because every time we watch this, I'm always like, the goo looks so delicious. Oh, Again, I don't know <laughs> the donuts. Do you eat it? Would you watch it when you're hungry? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just hungry all the time. Yeah, maybe you should just eat before you. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it look good? No. You don't see that at all. No. Oh my god, it looks like like cotton candy or something. Gross. <laughs> no, the scene I'm where she's tearing this you. scared the shit out of me as a child. Me Sorry, too. Oh, isn't it crazy that her the character's name is Anne? So we've had conflicting reports on that. I I I have heard that it's Anne as well, but when we mentioned that a while ago, we got some pushback from people. So I I, I feel like this is one of those those mysteries that maybe uh, we will never get resolution on. We'll have to look in the credits to see if she's credited. Yeah, I was gonna say. Is I think the credits it's Woman and Hive, but uh-huh. in, in in one of the subtitles that I watched it on a long, long, long time ago, it said Anne, and Micah saw it too, and we huh. were freaking out about it because of proximity. Ah, <laughs> oh, the sound design. The shot here Exquisite. is just, oh my God. Everything's moving, but you don't know what it is that's moving. You don't know what body. Yeah, right. I love it. Ugh. Yeah. When we watch this with the kids, we like to pause this so the kids can try to like figure out what's alien and what's not. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, that's like one of their, this is, this is their favorite part of the movie. Oh God, it's so fucking creepy. I love that. I remember just gripping like my grandmother's couch during this whole sequence. <laughs> Like, what's going to happen? And the way the creatures move from the walls is elegant. It's beautiful. It's like they, it's like ballet. How, it's like they're like cats moving through. It's just amazing. This shot. I mean, she's literally looking at it. I love it. I love it too. But I will say, I will say that I wish that they had a better means of articulating the tail in this thing throughout. That's something that always kind of pulls me out a little bit. The fact that you can just really tell that there's a string at the end of it pulling it up. I never noticed that. I mean, for for what they're working with, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining about it, but it's it's one of the only effects that doesn't really quite work for me in this movie. Also, the fact that the that the xenomorph's hand doesn't really close around her shoulder, just like little little things like that, you're kind of yeah. aware it's a suit. But at the end of the day, suspension of disbelief, it doesn't matter. Like this this movie is a masterpiece, and that doesn't take away from it. But it's one of the few things that I, I think has aged a little bit. This sequence is so incredible. His eyes were green. (laughs) (laughs) Just like his character, right? He was a newbie. He was green. Mm -hmm. There you go. 
I'm also referencing Blade Runner Perfect. 2049 in that, in that sentence, too. Yeah, Jamie's doing a crossover right now. <laughs> I, lo- I, love, I love how much he misunderstood what Gorman was trying to say. I love that. <laughs> All after incinerator. Oh, Sarge. How, how, how uh, dilated his pupils are. It's really, it's pretty crazy. Like, he's really freaked yeah, out. It is. That's a good point. I don't know how that, I don't know how they do that because he's clearly got a light right on his face too. <laughs> God damn it! The music cue here is really great. Good job, James Horner. Jamie's favorite composer again. Just uh, <laughs> I want to remind people. Good job stealing it from somebody else, James Horner. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, but so it, it's funny. Like I, I feel like my relationship with, especially '80s action films, has changed a lot as I've become older and as gun violence has become so much more of a, a thing in our society. And as like I've had kids of my own, who like you know want to play with Nerf guns all the time. Like I, I feel the cool factor of the firearms in this movie has worn off for me quite a bit, except for. Hicks's sawed-off shotgun, which to me is still one of the coolest guns in, in any movie of, of any kind. It's just amazing. That, that and the pulse rifle, I mean, they're just so iconic. I love how Ripley here now, like you're really starting to get the sense that, all right, she's back, or at least she's, she's got something to do now. Whereas before it was, you know, this is the first time really where she has something to do. And so now from here on out, she's Ripley. Not that she wasn't before, but she was, you know, still trying to come into her, Come, come into her own, I guess, or, or, you know, shake the, uh, the fear off. It's almost like she was I like that. Shake the fear off. It's cool. It's almost like she was hesitant to be like, step into the role. She didn't want to, but she felt right. forced to, she was the only one who could. This shot here. Oh, God. Again, a very 80s action movie moment where he delivers yes. a catchphrase right before he shoots it in the head. Maybe part of why, like, the gun violence in these movies doesn't kind of get to me the way a lot of contemporary films is, is because there's such an element of fantasy to it. You know, even though like it's all very realistic military stuff for the most part, 
like it's just it's like it's clearly played up for the purposes of this of this like movie. I, I think a lot of modern films like they're they're so realistic that it's sort of disturbing, you know. But this is about fun, you know. It's about right. like, it's it's almost like a, escapist violence in a way. It's How also violence that's it's violence that is is centered or it's focusing around these crazy monsters so it doesn't feel as real and it's in an environment right. that is also not real right. at all so it feels less impactful as opposed to say I don't know Platoon or I don't know other films that are more realistic so you can have fun yeah. with this because you know it's not real right yeah yeah I need to find out what a transaxle is. <laughs> transaxle is uh, a vital component of a drivetrain. And uh, without it, the, this wouldn't be able to drive itself accurately because it can't put the power down. Hudson is all of us in that moment. <laughs> it's like, nope. I love the haze in the air still. Oh, yeah. Um, the long and the short of it is that a transaxle incorporates a transmission and an axle in one. And so if it's, if it's broken, the, you, know, you can't shift gears and you also can't turn the wheels. I think it also has a differential in it, too. It's an important thing to, not to break. I love this iconic shot. Yeah. The depth of field. Yeah. They do this three times in each alien film, where each film recreates that shot. What was it in the third one? Uh, where after Andrews is killed, um, they're all in the middle, in the center of the. Yeah, when they're in the, the hallway. Oh. And she's okay. in the in the foreground, and they're all in the back. It's actually uh, we we used that shot for a, the cover of one of the episodes. I remember that. Yep. <laughs> Hudson is just a sniveling baby. <laughs> it's like baby. <laughs> Do you think Ripley has any idea what Gorman's really up to? I I don't. I do completely. You do. Burke, you think you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean Burke, yeah, not Gorman. Okay. I think she's definitely seeing the shadiness now, I mean, especially with that line right there, with the substantial dollar value. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, I I know that she's looking at him like a representative of the company, you know, like looking out for the assets. But but I mean. Do you think she has any idea of what his actual goals are at this moment of secreting the, the organism in 
etc. Well, I don't know if she has that inkling, but I but what I do think is she knows that he represents money. He doesn't represent people, and that's her instincts with him. Yeah, and and he's okay. basically going back on his word because he did promise when you know when they had the call and he said she asked, "Are we going out to wipe them out?" And he said, yes, that's the plan. And now he's backing <laughs> up on the plan. So right there, she's like, wait. So she definitely, I, I definitely at that moment, if not before, I think she knows. Yeah, I think I think things change in that, in that moment. Another great sequence. I love that shot of it. Of them pulling back on the uh, cockpit. It's awesome. I just wanted to say a formal rest in peace to Bug Stomper, which is uh, my preferred of the two dropships we get to spend time with in this film. I'm wearing the t-shirt of it right now. I uh, (laughs) remember it fondly. My single greatest moment of any alien shot right there. It's terrifying. Look at those legit pyrotechnics going off. Look at that shit. It's a mushroom cloud. I love his face right here. (laughs) (laughs) I always love that face. (laughs) Warman's like a dead body. amazing i love i love bill paxton in this movie so stating much. the obvious <laughs> i love it it's just is he's so natural this is also this is all um improvised as well obviously like i love when you see the spit coming out of his mouth That shot is different, or it's new. The dissolve from Ripley and Newt to the, the tower. You mean in the special edition? Yeah. Oh. What was, what, well, otherwise... The, the behind the shot. I've never seen that one. Oh. I'll have to go back and look. I love how soft Newt or Hicks is with Newt. I he just he's direct but he's soft with her and he's he like he, yeah. He's just he played his role so great. Yeah, I love it. Like when he's you know, don't touch that and then he realizes yeah. like I need to soften this. Yeah, yeah. That, sound, that came out a little too harsh.
Sorry, but that Ripley was going absolutely fucking nuts and uh, knocking things off of our bookshelf, so I had to run for a second. <laughs> Ripley the cat. Let me clarify. Um, I, I do think that that behind shot that Jamie's talking about, uh, that's that's not in the theatrical release. That one moment right before the dissolve transition goes. Okay. Which, again, I don't know why, because it's a great shot. So, no, so in the theatrical, it just cuts from the the fault that there's no behind shot. It's just there's them, no and then it, it's just a cut to the thing opening. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. I th I think, but I, but now I'm second guessing it. Yeah, me too, a little. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? I love how she's giving him direction here, and it's totally coming him down. They like, give Hudson something to do. And he's okay. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. I can sort of see what Sigourney Weaver was talking about in terms of, like, not doing another Alien film, which we know, where that, we know how that ended up. But after Alien 3, like, she wanted to die. But you really have her, Ripley, as amazing as each film is, doing the same things in each film. Taking charge. What's going on? We need a plan. We need schematics. Right. So when Gordon... She's waking up. Something's happened. She does the same thing three times. So I can understand why she's like, I'm done. This is one of my favorite moments right here. Yes, me too. I love the ambience of the of the table. It's very comforting. But also the, what Hicks what yes. does right here. Here he is. Yeah. There you go. yeah, yeah. Love that. And I love how you can see her kind of poking around trying to get her head in the whole time. And then he's the only one that notices that and he lifts her up. It's just such a wonderful moment. I just, I, that's, that defines his character right there is like he notices things. I mean, he even says that line in the movie. I, you know, I noticed, but he does. Yeah. He just, he notices everything. Um, everyone else is like geared in or freaking out. And he's just very aware of what's happening at all times. Um, and like you said, he's just, he sees new as a person, not as just this, oh, this kid who's in the way. What an amazing character. You notice he had his hand on her the whole time, too. Yeah, he's making Securing sure she's safe up there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, love down. I know, I love it. It's so wonderful. And that Cameron shows that, you know, like that, like that, that he, even though it's only like, you know, an instant, it's like less than a second, that little cutaway. It show you can see that there's resolution of that. That he also helped her get back down again. Okay, this shit. I don't. People try to like stick up for this as being worthy of including in the uh, special edition. I don't know what they are talking about. I think that this is absolute <laughs> fucking garbage. This entire this entire it feels like about twenty minutes long. This entire next sequence with the sentry guns. Like, what is the point of this shit? So as a kid, this was the scene that I remember, like, with my brothers, we thought it was like, the coolest thing. Because I remember then renting the movie and not seeing that scene, and we were yes. confused. We were like, wait, what is? what happened with the guns? So, but you're right. Like, later on, when he's counting down, it's it becomes pointless. This moment I also love. Yeah, oh, um, me too. And they're I, I, flirting as adults, not as like dumb teenagers, you know? It's perfect. Yeah. He's making her smile. 
which you need, you need to see her smile every now and then. Um, and, you know, like he's one of the few, like I think he, Newt, and Bishop really are the only ones who make her smile at, throughout this movie, which is fit, you know, because it kind of defines like that. And I think maybe Jonesy in the beginning, right? She smile when she sees Jonesy. But I love those little moments because you do need that. You need the, like, they're tiny, they're fleeting, but you need those light little moments. Totally. Yeah, she's not a monolith, you know? Jamie, you know, you're talking about how, like, they're not flirting like dumb teenagers. Um, I, I agree, and I think part of it's because she's actually almost 90 years old in this movie. So she's, <laughs> she's got some some real experience. It's the mileage, definitely. <laughs> but it's also right, like the she's no 29 bullshit. in the first movie. What's she that? was 33, I think, when she made this. But it's the no bullshit, like, we're out here... There's no sense in, I mean, not that they're really overtly flirting. Obviously, there's some chemistry happening and they, they're very aware of it. But they don't, in, in lesser hands, in lesser capable hands, it would have been really obvious and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's just Oh, yeah, but it's perfect. so subtle. It's so real. It's, yeah. it's, it's the way people who don't need to prove anything to each other flirt, right? Yep. But I do think, so, so if she went into hypersleep basically when she was 30, and woke up 57 years later. She is literally 87 years old in this movie. <laughs> I love how dirty Newt's clothes are. I use this. I use this. I um, when I made the costume for my daughter. I use this scene too to help because I'm like, oh, there's so much dirt out there. But I bought those overalls, that shirt. Those look like Oshkosh overalls, don't they? Yes, I, that's. What I think I, I had those. Yeah, me too. I think I had They're those. They're classics. Too. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was We're saying all something. Aging like, ourselves right now. Exactly. <laughs> like I still think they. <laughs> My parents. I still think they them. make it. Um, I, I had said like a, like a 10 minute thing with my mic muted a second ago. I was just pointing out that little space heater in the corner, that Waylon Dutani space heater. Like, mm-hmm. I love how um, there's a moment uh, just, uh, you know, 45 seconds ago where Ripley turns it towards Newt. And it's this little, uh, like very sweet, simple gesture that it's just one of many things that she's doing to, to make sure that Newt feels like comfortable and feels watched and feels protected and not in this like really over the top way, but just in the way that a mother would for a child or that a caretaker would, you know, just doing small things to help somebody feel safe. I just, I love those little touches. And I love what this, that light does to the scene where I want to go and lay down on that bed. It feels like home. Yeah. Classic space mom moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. They show that camera rotating, like, you know, like it's a, this huge, like, uh, camera for the room. But of course we have cameras these days that'll plug into walls and you barely see them. I just think it's funny, um, that of course the technology back then wasn't, wasn't there. So they showed these big, huge bulky cameras. Gorman has been dead for three days. <laughs> Could you imagine? He's like decomposing in their life. <laughs> They're just still going with it. But I love that they, you know, knocked him unconscious because 
it, what would they have done with him in these moments? The the rest the, these all these moments would be like shut up, Gorman. Like you're done. <laughs> so I think it's an effective way of just kind of taking him out until they need him again. He would just be constantly annoying during this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, James Cameron's like, how can we get rid of him without getting rid of him? <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's have him a corpse. That can get reanimated basically in 25 minutes, but let's just make him sort of dead for a while. Did you guys see the uh, Picard series on CBS All Access? I have not watched that. No, I have not. Never mind. I won't reference it then. I am not a Star Trek person, Jamie. This is something that we've touched on in the past, <laughs> and it's something that has gone up because I'm such a sci-fi person. The I fact am that too. It's Star not Trek like good is sci-fi. not the thing for me. So I just do not care about it, and, and yeah. it's something that like I get into fights about all the time. Discovery, I think you would really love. Discovery is the best iteration of Star Trek I've ever seen, but most of it's pretty saccharine and cheesy, for sure. I do want to though, and and I and I'm not taking anything away from Gene Roddenberry or whatever his name. Like I think it's amazing what he accomplished with it, but it's just never been never been for me. Something about the tone. I don't it's know. Sci-fi for yuppies. I've never <laughs> I've never been a fan either. I love this scene. I love her Sci-fi. just ripping him apart verbally so this is the one time when i like i love this scene but then i also question her because like now you know now he knows that you know so you're kind of painting him into a corner where he's gonna do something devious i feel um but i get it i get like she's indignant and she's you know pissed off but at one point, I was like, why are you telling him this? I love that she has the wherewithal, that she has no fear. She just grabs him by the collar and pulls yes. him up against the wall. I love that. She tries to do that with Dylan, and Dylan doesn't have it. But she's not afraid. I love that. So I love that, too. I love that line. So, Paul Rogers is so good in that role. Holy shit. So... What is it about this this scene that you don't like? I just want to understand. I don't really have an opinion of it, but what doesn't make sense? About about it? The sentries? Yes. Because it is like, oh my God, here we go. It is like so uh, like over the top and obvious and drawn out and unnecessary. And it's like, they're, they're like, so I guess what's going on in terms of the film itself, it's supposed to just show you that there's just like millions of these creatures, right? Yeah. We already know that because we already know how many colonists there were. We already know that they're lurking out there somewhere. We already know they're getting closer. And then you have this whole scene where it's just, it feels to me a little bit like they're just sort of hitting us in the head with a hammer over and over again, being like, look how many there are. We're running yes. out of bullets. Oh, there's so many of them. Look, we're still running out of bullets. Let's keep this scene going. How long has it been now? It's been fucking three minutes already. Like, oh, another gun is gone. It just, it, it just for me feels totally unnecessary. And it feels like they're skimping a little bit on money because they're not showing anything that, that's happening other than showing the guns firing. So it just feels like they're just, it just feels like kind of a cheap moment. It feels more like the sort of made for TV that we, we had before with the, uh, with like the crawlers, you know, like I, I just, to me, it doesn't feel like it fits tonally or in terms of like subtlety, it just doesn't work for me, but I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Other people like it. I think too, the fact that they do it twice, you know, like there's another sequence again, where he's counting down and the fact that the numbers are going down and then you hear Hicks saying five, ten, like we can see 
the numbers as he's saying it, and it's a little like it's a it's a little much. I agree. It's just so much. Too much show and tell. Yeah. I think one what, of those some, scenes, some people love that, you know? Yeah. I think one would have been okay, like, but then they do it again. And you're like, okay, we get it. <laughs> There's well, a I lot. Think why people love it, though, isn't because it makes a film better. They just like seeing anything extra. And I think you have to delineate between right. what moves the film along and honors the subject and the story as opposed to, you know, like, I like seeing deleted scenes, but most of them I see don't do much for me, you know? Right. Yeah, for 90% of the time, scenes are deleted for a reason. And right. it's usually a good choice when they are. Yeah. I fucking love Hicks right there. Me too. <laughs> Me shut too. Up! He's like, finally, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, he can only take so much. Oh, that was the, that was the line, Jamie. Do you remember this from our roundtable on Aliens? Where I did the, I was trying to do an impression of Bill, of, uh, of, um, of Hicks of Lance Henriksen, uh, enough. I'm, oh my God, I, I can't talk Bishop. and watch at the same time. Of Bishop and Lance Henriksen specifically, when he says, "I can't align the dish," <laughs> um, and everybody was making fun of me because it sounded like a mob boss or something. Oh my God, I cannot talk about a character but see another character on the screen and get the name right. This is like really, really difficult. <laughs> Commentary tracks are hard. Bill Paxton, maybe synthetic. He's like almost like a rabbit dog, like, yeah, yeah, bishop should go. Like, he's like totally like, he's lost his shit. He really has. And then you have Bishop here who's just like, give me the lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> this scene, I remember again when I was a kid, I remember seeing the scene where Bishop is going to crawl into the this tube and seeing him crawl. And I, I believed 100% that he was going to meet an alien in this tube. Um, and I think there was a part, isn't there something written that that happens, but then they didn't film it? I don't know. I never heard that. But you're right. I think they do set it up as sort of, you know, maybe a sort of a callback to the to Dallas being in the air ducts. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Yeah, totally I think that, that's like that. what, But like, th there's no way that the back spines would have, you know, fit in there. So like, yeah, yeah. And you know. from what I read, again, I'm trying to place. Oh, look who's this. back. <laughs> so Look, who decided to show up? Even that line, like, oh, there's lots. Like, we get it. <laughs> there's a lot. Like, why are we still seeing this shit? <laughs> and then he counts down again. But see, look, there you, you saw one. We're using a shot earlier. Yeah, and one is shot they use again when Drake gets it. Right there, it is. That was the yeah, same one again. Twice, I think. Used. Yep, it's used three times. I should have at least flipped it. <laughs> it, was, it was again. It's the oh same. Oh my god, exact you're right. Shot. You're right. I never noticed that. Is that four times? Yeah. It's just so unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so much of it. Like, why are we still looking at the sentry guns? <laughs> like, what is what is the purpose of this? Critical. I do remember thinking it was really cool, though, as a kid. So I think, you know, I think they were just going for the cool factor, like more guns. But there was a point with the special edition where I remember seeing some of these scenes and talking about it with other people back before DVDs. And people were like, did you ever see the scene? And people look at you like, what are you talking about? Like it didn't exist. So you're yeah. trying, to, trying to think, is this real? Did I see this extra scene? And then years later, in like 91 or 92, it comes out on 
on um, Laserdisc. So it validates that they showed the special edition on TV. But a lot of times people didn't see it, so they wouldn't know what you're talking about. No, I felt the same way. I thought, like, did I imagine that scene? I was so confused when I rented the VHS from, you know, the video store. I'm like, where is that scene? Which I did like once a week, by the way. I rented this. I rented this oh, like, yeah. at least once a week. Oh yeah, I remember going oh, into God, like blockbuster <laughs> video and seeing the alien yep. section and just like, oh, like it's like it's like a a sacred uh, shrine. I just would walk oh. into the sci-fi section. I used to love doing that so much. The first time I was ever on Perfect Organism, we talked about the f- the first time I, I picked this movie up, an alien from the the video store, and I rode my bike to it and lied to my parents, <laughs> and like and 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 I, I used to rent it so much that um, that Tony, the guy that owned it, would just like have it out when he saw me coming. He'd be like, <laughs> "Picking up aliens again, right?" And I'd be like, "You sound like Lance Hendrickson." <laughs> I can't repair the dish. I love this scene. Yeah, me too. Oh boy! Uh, just be quiet. <laughs> what? what, what? No, no, Jamie, do it! No, no you I don't do don't it! Do no, do it! What the fuck you doing? I know what I. I have a feeling. <laughs> She's like it's big. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> Feel the weight. <laughs> you notice the cut away is Bishop like crawling through a tunnel. Like, <laughs> he's the baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's the sperm now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, I can. I funny. think I can. <laughs> oh, oh, look who's back. Oh, he's back. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Happy Easter, everybody. I love that moment between him and Vasquez. She's like, fuck you, without saying it. And this little shot, I love that, I know. Well, I love the fuck you with Ripley and Burke right before, where Burke's yeah. like leaning as far away like against the wall as he could. And then you get the Vasquez-Gorman. I love that little double dynamic there. The women are not having it. What a good movie. Holy shit, what a good movie. She's so good with her facial expressions. Yeah, she is. She was nominated for Best Actress for the Academy yep. Awards for this role. And that was during the 80s, which was a... There was a lot of good filmmaking going on. Oh, yeah. And typically they don't nominate people in sci-fi films. They just don't do it. For whatever reason, the Academy doesn't look... You know, you have to do something pretty spectacular in order for you to get nominated. I mean, have they since? Ha- like... Have they even nominated somebody? A couple. Then only should be What did you say, Patrick? Didn't Alicia Vikander get it for uh, Ex Machina? No, no, no. I don't think she so. shouldn't have if she did, but I don't think she did. <laughs> I think she was nominated. Though. It's a great movie, but she's wholly unremarkable. No, she's in great movie. in that part. I'm you hate that movie, Jim. I love that movie. 
Well, I hate that movie. no, I have a complicated relationship. I just don't know what the movie's about. Ugh. We already did a frame rate on this, Jamie. We can't get into this now, but we will. I thought There's it was ask- just me and Dan who did the frame rate on this, not you. On Ex Machina? Yeah, I don't think you were a part of it. it no, I was definitely a part of that. No, I was definitely a part of that. I remember specifically because uh, I talked about using 50,000 lights to light the scenes. Really? Oh, yeah, bitch. Oh. <laughs> this scene is so scary. I think this is a perfect scene. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, we've been talking a lot about the blue light used throughout the movie, and I, I love how the scenes um, of Newt's sort of sleeping area are opposite blue on the yep. color wheel. Right? Just like in Alien 3, the, the autopsy sequence is the opposite of the rest of the color palette. I love that little pan up, and then yes. you see her hand. I love that shot. And her hand looks like a face hugger. The way they made the face hugger move is incredible. It's so realistic. I so much prefer, creepy too. <laughs> I much prefer them having to come up with ways to make it move practically than the digital versions that we see nowadays. Absolutely. Are you trying to tell me you don't think that the 360 degree bullet time fly around <laughs> shot is not as effective as this? Because I would agree with you on that. <laughs> They're all like, that's this. <laughs> Just the sound of it, like crawling to like the, oh, like that, I don't know, like wet, creepy sound. I love the beads of sweat. Yes. Burke just slowly unravels like throughout this film. He just gets like shiftier and more nervous. I think he did an amazing job with it because you love to hate him. Yeah. It's so weird to watch this movie because I feel like I, I, I can remember, I still remember what I thought about every scene when I first saw it as a kid, like thinking she would break the glass. Um, just not knowing what was going to happen. I still remember all of those feelings. It's crazy. There's not a lot of movies I feel that way about. I love how she right there tells Newt she's scared too. You know, she doesn't say like, don't be scared. She says, yeah, I am too. Like she's always like up front with her and real. Yeah. And that's something that I unabashedly copy as a parent now all the time. Like if I actually feel a certain way with the kids, as long as it's not something that's dangerous to tell them right. about, I will, I will always be upfront with them about it. So, so like if I feel embarrassed about something, like I will tell them the truth, you know, or if I'm afraid, I'll tell them the truth. Isn't it Cause funny kids, that... kids pick up on it, you know? Yeah, totally. They totally can. They totally can. So you might as well just be upfront, I think. A lot of my parenting comes from this movie. Me too. <laughs> a lot of the time I'm thinking like, what would Ripley do with, with Newt in this film? You notice that the face hugger that attacks Ripley comes down out of the ceiling the way, the same way it does an alien. Mm. Mm. Newt's little device, right? That, or, you know, method to keep it at bay, I think is brilliant. Like, I know, I love that. I like that she's, like, they made her smart. 
I might be I might be weird, but like does anybody else feel like the face hugger looks kinda tasty? And that's right. <laughs> oh shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I I might be weird, but I think Ripley likes being strangled too. <laughs> feel the weight. Feel the weight. Feel the weight. <laughs> Two hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andy. It's devolving. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Oh, you just see Bishop crawling down the tube. <laughs> the birth canal. I see the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of that. <laughs> so funny. So this scene, I think, is brilliant for its blocking and state. Like, look yes. at how many people are in yes. this shot. It's so well done. Talk about Renaissance paintings, right? And her eyes and the way her hair is wet and there's just something about it. Yeah. Yeah, just a great shot. Great scene. And it's the realization that the alien is in our midst here. This is the real threat, not them. I mean, yes, the aliens out there are a threat, but this threat, Burke is a greater threat to them than the creatures are. I love Gorman's face here, too. Like, Gorman's even, like, can't believe it. But everyone gets their little moment here, and there's so many of them in one shot. So great. And I like that little pause Hicks does where he's like, uh, he, he, he knows he's got to do something and he knows, like, he feels the way, and then he makes that decision right here, which do you think they would have just like shot him? Like, what were they going to do with him? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's a good point. I, I like, we waste him. Basically just like restrain him and, and, and detain him somewhere, but I don't know where that would be. Maybe leave him, kind of leave him for dead in a room. Like Gorman, just knock him out. Like a, <laughs> just make him a dead body. To make him a corpse. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been interesting if they would have like, had, like, okay, you want to bring this back? We're going to impregnate you. Hold him down. That would be. Ooh, great. that that's dark. Feel the weight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Isn't it supposed to go on your face? Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! All right. Th- so this here, um, again, like just in terms of tension building, you know, we had we had it. Uh, I don't know, Andy, if you got the chance to listen to this. If you didn't, just lie about it and say you did. It's fine. But I won't quiz you on it. But we did have the interview with Scott Sigler recently, the guy who wrote the Phalanx novel. Um, I I did. Oh, you did? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> you told me to lie. Don't you lie. You memorize well, it. Since I have not been commuting to work, it's my uh, time, and I have to be like basically teaching double duty now. My yeah, free time yes. has dropped drastically. I know. I haven't but listened to my I, podcast episode in like a month and a half now. So Which I will. But anyway, what? So what? What are you going to reference? So, so Scott Scott Sigler is the author of uh, Aliens. Jamie, you want to say it? Phalanx. <laughs> <laughs> say it. <laughs> Aliens, Phalanx. Um, 
And, uh, and we were, he was talking about how aliens is his favorite movie of all time and about how much it influenced his writing just, you know, in every single book that he writes basically. And he brought up this, this really great, um, term that I don't know if it's like a, if it's a Scott Sigler term or if it's just an industry term, but, um, it's the idea of overlapping tension arcs. So like in, in, in his books, what he tries to do inspired by aliens is have multiple strains of conflict that elide before they're able to resolve. So like, just as it seems resolution coming, something else kind of sweeps it up and makes it more tense. And this, this part of this film is such a great example of that, right? Because we didn't get resolution on the Burke situation at all, like not even close to it. Right. We had like what was about to be a resolution of it. And then in the midst of that being about to close up, you have this huge tension arc coming back now, which they had kind of forgotten about, which is the fact that the aliens are closing in on them. And right now that is like right in their faces while the other arc is still there. And then there's this whole other arc of Bishop who's still out there trying to, you know, align the dish and get the ship down. This right? shot and right like, here is the most terrifying. That's a great shot. One of the most shot. terrifying shots I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, I love this thing. Because it's like roaches. I love how he's shooting as he's falling. Yeah, too. So those are those are baboon noises. They sound like elephants to me for some reason, but that's actually just a processed baboon sound. Interesting. I love that shot of showing her first use that gun, and she's sort of how does this thing work? And she's in a yes. she's got to use it in a moment, and so it, it knocks her back a little bit. Um, I just it's very realistic because sometimes in these movies people pick up guns and it's like they've been using them for years when in fact they'd never their character had never shot, shot a gun before. I know I love that. Very real and yet and yet she immediately adapts to it and she and she does what it takes even though she's yeah. kind of sloppy it you know like it's 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 very believable. Fucking <laughs> perk. I was always worried they were going to shoot each other here. Yeah. Like they're all like behind each other shooting. I'm like, Hicks, you're going to kill everyone. <laughs> and there's also literal strobe lights going off for some reason. I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but that couldn't hurt. That couldn't help, you know? Mm. Goodbye, Hudson. Goodbye. But again, the scoring here is so uninspired. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, so like this theme that's coming up now, like this is great. Like the, the, this thing right here with the brakes being hit, yeah, the, the bump. Yeah. But uh, everything other than that is complete filler music. Like, wh why didn't Paxton's death, Paxton Hudson's death, have like more of a memorable cue to it? Like, why didn't the music do something responsive to that moment instead of just sort of going through this one, you know, scale progression over and over again? I don't know. I just I find it uh, very color by numbers. But of course, the reason it was color by numbers was because Horner had no time right. because everything was running so late and because so much effort was being put into the sound design. <laughs> and it really shows because the sound design in this movie is like second to none. It's just yeah. extraordinarily good. This shot is amazing. Oh, great. What I, even though like I agree that the film is a masterpiece and everything works perfectly, I think with the music, it's already this breakneck speed that's happening visually. I don't think the music needs to then tell us it's a breakneck speed. The music can do something different, ideally. But it is what it is, and it's great the way it is. Yeah, it definitely uh, works. It's, it's, there's it room works. for improvement. And I think that's why um, the music in Alien 3 works so well, is because it's, it's play, it plays against type. 
I love that moment when she pulls Newt back and says, get behind me. Yeah. Again, yeah. very realistic. No, no mother or anyone's going to let the kid go first. Even though she knows where she's going. But I love right now that they're reliant on this little girl. Yeah. Getting them to where they need to go. Where it's just been this digression. Where they're in charge, these people are in charge, now they're not in charge. Now these people are in charge, now they're not in charge too. Newt's in charge right now. Right, right. All of that firepower, all of that technology, just like Newt said, it didn't matter. Or yeah, all of that money, all of those assets, it just doesn't it doesn't matter in the face of a greater threat, you know. You sure? That shot. Oh, my God. And, of course, that's Galen Hurd's hand, the producer. There's that one scene I think you can tell it's her, like the bandana's like barely covering her face. Yeah. And then even Gorman gets his redemption, you know? I love that. No character is just one dimension in this entire thing. Yes, they're, they're, all, yes. they're all so interesting. They're not caricatures. They're characters. No, and that's they're such people. A, yeah. And they're, none of them are throwaways. Like, in other films, you it's not alien, just alien films, but other films, they'd be like, okay, this, this character's going to die right away. And you're not going to think much of it because you didn't care anyways. But in Aliens, you cared about everybody. Grab the hand, Ripley. Grab the hand. <laughs> Again, if you listen to the music, this is the same cue that he's used like nine times now. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, in his defense, like you said, he had very little time. I'm gonna I know, he that. had four uh, hours to write the score. He had four hours. <laughs> <laughs> with James Cameron basically like holding a gun to his head. Well, a pulse rifle. There's a lot of cues that are reused from Alien in this, too. I was so creeped out as a kid in this whole scene. Yeah. Oh, Whenever nice. a character is in water, it's never good. As a kid, I remember... So the, on the VHS copy that I used to rent, you know, every four days from the video store, this was on the back cover of it, that, that shot where, where the alien rises up behind Newt. And I would just sit there and look at that over and over again and just stare at how cool it was. Uh, just like the the sense of scale and the sense of reality and it's other it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing. 
I was so scared of sharks as a kid that I thought maybe there'd be a shark in there. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like a fucking no like a hammerhead. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, the Jaws music. <laughs> Those beaches are supposed to be closed. I know. <laughs> I love how she keeps telling him though, because I feel like that's what I would do to my husband. Yeah, like, yeah. do it. He's like, I know. I'm like, no, do I it. Know. It's very realistic that interaction. <laughs> a lot of good welding and uh, and and steel working scenes in this movie. Yes. There we go. There's a shot. There's that tail. The details. The details are really is what sell this. Just that like clanging of them trying to. I, I love it. Yeah, me too. That cue has been used 45 times already. So that doll head floating in the water, when I, my best friend in high school and I were obsessed with this movie. And she, she told me the first time she watched it with like her cousin, her cousin thought that was Newt's head that was like severed. <laughs> and it was like, it's so fake. Like the cousin was like horrified that it looked so fake. <laughs> oh my God. So every I wonder time what doll that, that was they used. Like, like That's definitely know. like a recognizable doll that my sister probably had. I feel like there was this era that we went through where every doll that came home, like either shat itself or pissed itself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for nineties kids, not for eighties kids. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Maybe it was the nineties. Because I remember like it's either cabbage patch dolls or American girl dolls. Like that was or it. Trolls, that was right? the thing. No. Well, trolls maybe. Yeah, those were like my older cousins would have those, but but for, for us it was all like just dolls that shit their pants. It's true. They like they you would take off the diaper, the diaper would be yeah. wet. They <laughs> did. That. That's so fucking weird. Apparently, it's appealing to a certain. <laughs> I never had those. <laughs> and they were like all anatomically correct. Like, what kid needs this doll? <laughs> They have to train the young girls early, you know, for yeah. motherhood. Right. For the real job. <laughs> God made you to be to have babies, Susie. I'll <laughs> <laughs> clean the poop. <laughs> Just that sense of weight and scale. I love that. Feel the weight. Love this shot of Bishop in the cockpit. Oh. Bad matting or compositing. Yeah, that shot right there always stands out. As yeah, me too. Looks like it's almost animated in comparison. And the, just the lightning too. It just, it's, and it, it's a little too long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't care though. It still looks so fucking. I know. Great. I love this. I love how tactile this scene is with her. Just yeah. the detail of it. Like how loud the analog motions of what are happening, like mm -hmm. the tape. Now this is a new cue.
I just love I love seeing her tape that that um, tracker to the to the gun. I don't know. It's just pleasing. All of the stuff she's doing is pleasing to watch. It just makes sense. Like, well, of course she would do that. Yeah. But even just like the grenades and the flares, those noises they make, like the Foley effects are just so loud and awesome. And just like Alien, that, 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 you know, uh, cassette futurism, you know? My name is Dwayne. <laughs> is that the only time we know her name is Ellen? Like, uh, if this scene were cut, do, would we know her name is Ellen? Well, you see it on the screen earlier on, right? Yep, yep. Oh, um, right, right. Okay. A brief second. Somebody must say Ellen Ripley before that. I don't think so. Do they not? No, they don't. No one ever says her name except for Does Alien nobody 3. ever say it? Except for Alien 3. Wow, yeah. Yeah, but you definitely see it on the on the bio readout screen in yeah. the beginning. Again, just the tactile. Yeah. That sense of reality and weight. And that amazing Seiko watch that she has. I fucking covet that thing so hard every time I watch this movie. What I love about this scene is watching her prepare where she's not just, I mean, yeah, she's getting on her, her weapons and the gear sort of to support it, but she's also mentally preparing and we are too with it. Like it's Mm -hmm. a moment you wouldn't see in most films. It would cut to the elevator door opening. There she is, but we're seeing her transform into this person. She needs to be for a moment for a moment so she can rescue this girl. And you're right. Yeah. Like we need to ment- we need to prepare yeah. with her. We need this like little moment in the elevator to for, you know to get ready for what's coming. It's perfect, God, and, and so no magical. movie now would yeah. would show that. But again, what it's doing also is it's queuing up the re- the, the the reality, which is that we are entering real time now. Like mm-hmm. from basically now until the end of the movie, time is unfolding at the same rate of speed in the film as it is in the actual um, in in real life. Which is perfection because that's the one thing that bothers me most about movies is when they're you have two minutes and then it's like 15 minutes later right exactly but from the time from the time she says t-minus 15 minutes it's actually 15 minutes left until the actual destruction sequence starts You know what's crazy is that it's almost midnight right now, and uh, and I feel like it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'm not even aware of the fact that it's this late. This movie just every single time, every single time it gets me. It uh, to me, I know it. It flies by. This movie flies by every time I watch it. I'm like, it's over already. That scene in the elevator, too, I keep seeing on social media now. Because have you guys seen that? Like the oh, yeah. meme of getting ready to go like to Walmart yeah, or whatever? we did our own version of that. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Jamie did that. Recreated the shot from Alien right here. Yep, even with the lighting. 
Yeah. Would it be interesting to see the set fully lit to see what everything is? Because obviously it's dressed and it's dark. So everything, because you can't really make out what you're seeing, everything melds into one. But I'd love to see this. I bet you it's the same set they used to film um, the Hive, uh, the Marines uh, being overtaken by aliens. It looks like it's the same set. I think so. Using it in a different which, way. Which was the set, Ooh. I believe, for Batman, right? Yes, yes. In the same studio, too, yeah. Same lot. Pinewood or Leavesden? Or Elster? Pinewood. Pinewood? I thought it was Pinewood, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is the same set, right? Because isn't this where the Marines were? No. They just... They were in a different place, weren't they? I don't know. Oh, the sounds of this egg opening is so gross. What's great is that we're going to find answers to all of these things very shortly when the book comes out. Um, I got to be honest with you guys. And I'm really not just like trolling right now. This oh, looks right. fucking delicious. Oh, that like God. that don't shit. Like I don't I don't know vomit. what's wrong with me. Look at you. Don't think that looks. It looks like cotton no. candy. Oh, cotton yes, candy. Yes, like that looks fucking delicious. Regurgitated cotton candy. No, like real good, like baseball game cotton candy. <laughs> fucking troll. <laughs> Yo, this I would scene, eat that shit. Watching I'm sorry. her tear this stuff off is so pleasing. The sounds of it, it is. It, it, it's delicious. It's not delicious. It's feel like Velcro. Feel the feel the weight. <laughs> Bishop crawling down the tube. Share the load. It does sound. It does sound like Velcro, doesn't it? A little bit. I don't know, but I love that sound. It's very pleasing. I think she like cut herself on that, right? Yeah, she did. Look at you, know you know your lore. I do, I do. The fiberglass. We might upgrade you to. What do we call? I watched my making of videos. When does that book come out? By the way, soon, right? Well, I think it was pushed back. I'm sure it was. I guess it was supposed to be April. Right? It was supposed to be April. Yeah, I think September now. September. I think now that I'm, yeah, because I think I was looking to pre-order it. That's so much. This right here is iconic. The slow turnaround. It's so gross. It is so gross. Mm, Yum. Tasty. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why. I was horrified. By this, I think this scare. Like I think this just grossed me out more than anything. Yeah, it's totally gross. But at the same time, when I look at like ant hives or um, what are those particular kinds of ants um, that eat wood? What are they called? Termites. Termites. I, I can't. It's so gross. The queens, but I can't stop looking at it. God, that shot is so. Oh. Oh, shit. I remember we talked about that on the episode, um, one of the Queen episodes, about how it's backlit. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no reason it would be backlit like that, but it just is. And it just makes so much sense because it's like, it almost like it doesn't even exist in physical space. It's too amazing. God, it's so fucking good. You know what's um, interesting about that mm. shot of the Queen? You, there's a shot in Silence of the Lambs when they go to the, after Hannibal has escaped from the, the cage, and you see the man 
trussed up. Oh yeah, reminds me of this shot of the yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, well, he's got a he's got a light right behind his head too, and his backlit, and he's up high, right? Yeah. I love Silence of the Lambs. It's a great, great, great movie. It's one of my faves. Yeah, it's really good. That has to be one of the best practical effects ever made. Absolutely. Just the technical, I don't know, wizardry that they had to pull off. Wasn't it 17 puppeteers? Yeah, it's something crazy like that. And to make sure none of them are in the shot? And again, with the silence and the quiet. This scene is essentially the jockey scene in Aliens. It's a version of it. What's interesting, though, is that it starts off like that, and then I think because of who Ripley is by this point, it, it completely transforms and, and becomes, like, because cause the thing with the space jockey, right, is that, like, you, it's incomprehensible. With this, it starts off as something incomprehensible, and then Ripley figures it out, and because of who she is and what she's been through, she, she knows exactly what to do. Totally. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting little moment where she sort of flips the switch a little bit. You know, I just I'm getting flashbacks because I'm remembering I used a screenshot from this for our uh, 100,000th download that when we thank people on social media for it, and we've uh, it feels like so long ago, but we're you know so far over 200,000 now. It's pretty amazing. And again, because of the blue color palette, that that orange and red just pops so much in the fire. Great color composition. There's more of those Ennis House tiles in there. Did you see that, Jamie? No, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah. Andy, did you see the scene with Burke that was cut from here that's on YouTube? I have, there? yes. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't use that one either, though. Yeah, it would have been like, oh, sweet revenge, but we didn't need to see it. it didn't... Yeah, we didn't need like... him anymore. Right, exactly. It's much more powerful if you if you just hint at things and you let it go. Or if you allow room for people to use their imagination a little bit. Right. Although I do say that, I, well, I am of the opinion that the cocooning scene in Alien was a worthy scene to leave in. For sure, it's so it's so, for lack of better terms, alien and unusual. Oh, like the Eggmore thing? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's terrifying. That's exactly what it is. It's alien, like unlike anything else. So I agree with you on that. Uh, I think it adds unnecessary fat to the movie that it doesn't need. Honestly, I, I think it's another one where like. 
to if, if that had been a line in it or something, it might have been interesting to think about what it would look like. But the way it was shot and with Dallas like talking and everything, to me it just doesn't it doesn't work. That shot, oh my god, of the queen coming at her is so fucking yeah. scary. Oh my god. I, I do think egg morphing as a concept is just extraordinarily frightening and so cool. But um, the the way that they actually shot it, it doesn't doesn't work for me as as much as I would like it to. But really, I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, I I'm really I really like have a hard time. I love that one that when the little piece of crap just like lands on top of the elevator. I feel like uh, oh, what's a- this? Alien. Elevator. I could not I could not edit it any differently than it actually came out theatrically. Yeah, I mean, again, a masterpiece, amazing, obviously, but I do love that scene. This this music here is from Alien. I love how Ripley and yeah, New aren't talking. Oh, is it? Yep. What I love about that music, though, is it reminds me of being on the sea, or it reminds me of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It's very nautical. Angie, I think you were saying something, and I'm going to cut oh, you off. Oh, I just, I liked how Ripley and Newt weren't saying anything to each other in the elevator. They were, like, shell-shocked and just dealing in the moment. And I think, again, like, a movie today would have been, like, oh, they would have had them saying something cute to each other or something. I love this. When she yeah, just we're says, coming close up on your eyes. One of my favorite moments in any film ever. And my favorite moment of, of Ripley's character arc until her death sequence, I think this is just it. That with like her final, what, what she thinks is her final breath, she just tells her to close her eyes. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> I fit. <laughs> Hi. I, I know, <laughs> totally. Hey, guess what cue it is? Yeah. It's <laughs> the same fucking music cue again. It's, it reminds me of like, more cowbell. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's a little bit of this music in Alien 3 at the end. That It does sound a little bit like some of the mo- the motifs at the end of the Alien yeah. 3 score, but that, that's only Just music though. briefly. Yeah. That's the best, one of the best scores ever made. I think it's the best one I ever made. So now, where does the queen get on the ship? Like, within that sequence, where the fuck does that possibly happen? I just don't know. No. Oh, she's she's agile. She's very very agile. (laughs) She's a fucking gymnast. (laughs) This, This cue, though, I mean, is just brilliant. Again, bad compositing. Not too bad, though. It's not too bad. I don't think any of us cared. That like, shot <laughs> was all um, with it flying off in the background. That was all cotton balls and light. Energy. Cotton balls, right? It's crazy. Oh, no, actually, it's not. Yes, it is. They blew up an actual atomic weapon <laughs> to get that shot. I don't know if you read about that. It was a very big deal. They yeah. actually nuked the desert. Feel the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Good 
The music also reminds me of the music after she blew it out the airlock at the end. Yeah. It's the same sort of tone. Very happy. Okay, so where's the queen? <laughs> she's just <laughs> she's hanging out in the uh like seriously, she's a fucking thirty ton monster. I feel like Bishop's hair changes like twenty she's different in times. This, she's <laughs> in this thing right here. So if this thing doesn't have any room except for to move in, it would have crushed her. It would have crushed her. It, it no completely. Room. <laughs> it's, it's a huge. It's like, like, a, she's like, I got scales, bitch. <laughs> here I am. She's like origami. She like falls in and. <laughs> Uh, this is a sequence that my children do not like. <laughs> so, so this is <laughs> right. We have bookmarks to skip past this moment. They made that very clear. And uh, and I do understand why. Like it scares them. Yeah, it just gets them. Jude, in particular, my elder son has uh, a lot of the same fears that I have. So I, I kind of know things that will set him off and I try to make sure I avoid that. But one of them is body horror, which is funny because like I'm, you know, an enormously obsessive horror fan in general. And I, body horror is like my favorite <laughs> subgenre. But I think it's my favorite thing because it's it's something I'm really genuinely afraid of. And I notice uh in, in my kids that that's a, a similar thing. So that moment where he gets all mutilated and stuff, I, I can I can see why that scares him. I will never forget going to the Museum of Science and Industry when I was 11 in 1987. 1953. <laughs> and they had um, the queen puppet and they had the, the power loader and they had one of the, the shark from Jaws because Jaws 4 had just come out. So the shark was on this revolving um, thing in the middle of this room and the masks from Masters of the Universe, all this movie magic stuff in the Museum of Science and Industry. And I remember, and they're all in glass, and I just couldn't stop looking at it. I went with my my cousin, who was just, you know, you're living in Chicago and you're seeing movie stuff. You feel like California is 50 million miles away, you know? I remember when I got excited when I went to Planet Hollywood <laughs> and oh, sat yeah. next to Hicks. And I sat next to Hicks's armor. I was like, oh. yeah, that was like a big deal for me. So your experience is definitely better. <laughs> the scream, the iconic Newt scream. Here we go. best filmmaking it's so, it's so earned. seamless it's seamless i've never it seen is. anything like this again how beautiful this and is. it's and it's just so earned this payoff this like just extraordinary sequence it just it, it's it's there's nothing corny about it even even though what we're watching right now is somebody driving a giant robot and smacking a big monster in the face like it's, it's a little ridiculous and nothing about it feels ridiculous it feels completely believable and completely legitimate did you guys the see that, editing the, the charter commercial where 
They recreate this scene and Ripley's talking Viagra to commercial? No, it's a charter commercial or Spectrum. No. Viagra. What's the charter? <laughs> charter is a cable, a cable company or oh, Spectrum. It's like a California thing. Yeah. You never saw it where they recreated no. this and Ripley's talking no. to <gasps> What? Okay, I'll show you when we're done. That's a California thing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Viagra. <laughs> Feel the weight. <laughs> it's going to become a new, a new catchphrase. We're witnessing the birth of a new catchphrase on Perfect Organism. The sound is so perfect here. Every little crunch and movement. It's it's perfect scene. At what point would somebody open an airlock on that ladder? Like, why would that need to be there? <laughs> yeah, under normal circumstances, <laughs> right? This is what this is like about the most suspended disbelief can possibly yes. get yeah, any, yeah. any film. But I don't fucking care. It's so I don't care either. But, but no, nothing that is happening right now makes any sense on any level, <laughs> and it's just okay, you know. This really is a great film, a great cue. I, I, I'm like, I give him a lot of shit, but this is just about as good as like action. I agree. Films. Yeah, it's right here, it's a great moment. I mean, didn't every movie preview for like a decade use yeah. that? Yeah. So did your boys not watch this entire sequence? Or oh, no. just as, over as, that? They're fine. They're fine with it as soon as he gets ripped in half. Okay. It's just, it's just, it's the events right around there, but like this stuff they're fine with there and they, they can watch, you know, cause they get that he's a robot. They, they understand that it's different. It's just something about like, right. they, they don't like when he gets severed like that. 10 years from now, Jude's in an office. So how old were you when you were first having nightmares? When I was six. Describe what happens. My dad showed me aliens. He thought I could handle it. (laughs) You know, I I subscribe to the same school as Clara with this stuff, which is that like by making it clear that it's a movie and showing the special features and things like that, I'm kind of like allowing them in. 
you know, in, in a way that makes it feel like it's not real. But I don't know. I, I got to say, I like, guess my you'll favorite see, night. Won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm going to find out. Look at <laughs> I'm so though, man. Like, kind of like good too. alien nightmares. I fucking love those, and I, I hope that the kids get some good ones too someday. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that commercial was a direct TV commercial with the power loader. I'm shocked you guys have never seen it. That's crazy. No. Actually, I, th- I, I think it was a Super Bowl commercial, wasn't it? I think so. Yes. Yeah, I saw it like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Viagra. Do you feel? Either of you, like, this scene sexualizes Ripley too much. What? Where'd you get that? Right now? I'm just, I'm just waiting for Jamie to say something about it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> You're canceled. <laughs> You're canceled. <laughs> Feel the weight. We did it. Feel the weight. <laughs> Feel the weight. Wow, what a great movie. Oh, my God. Cocooned Woman. Barbara Perfect Coles. movie. Yeah, but it doesn't say... Oh, it just says cook. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And Jay Benedict, rest in peace. That's very sad. Well, this has been great, guys. It is well past midnight, and uh, and I cannot have. I I feel like we just started this movie 25 minutes ago. It's just astounding. It's amazing how fast it goes. It's incredible. I I had the blast. Thank you for uh, having me. Thank you for coming on, Andy. And again, that was great. And I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your Aliens Day, yes, Alien Day. Enjoy, enjoy. Well, there's more to come or there's more to listen to. And uh, thanks for listening to this. Thanks, everybody. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.